It's time. We are not called to be nice. Sandy Rios. Welcome, Sandy. Thanks for being here. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. You and you still like me? Or you, or you don't like me, James? Are you okay? You all right? <laughs> I'm a musician. I can't help it. Uh, longtime Fox News contributor Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. We have, I think it's four to one youth in America wants gay marriage. Our kids are the product of public schools. No wonder they poll the way they do. It's time to stand up or we're going to lose everything we have. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. This isn't a game. This is real life. Cindy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. Some things are worth fighting for. And again, this is saying so, John Hammond, that is a bulletin released to all law enforcement earlier this week that there is, until the end of April, a persistent threat of domestic extremism, domestic uh, terrorism carried out in the ideology and around this belief that the election um, was fraudulent, that the COVID restrictions are unnecessary. All of those ideologies pushed by Donald Trump. But, but my question for you is around incitement. Um, we had a policy, and it was very controversial. It was carried out under the Bush years and under the Obama years of attacking terrorism at its root, of going after and killing, um, and in the case of Amr al-Awlaki, an American, a Yemeni American, with a drone strike for the crime of inciting violence, inciting terrorism. Mitch McConnell was in the Senate then. He was in the Senate after 9-11, too. How does Mitch McConnell, who understands that the way you root out terrorism is to take on, in the case of Islamic terrorism, kill those who incite it, how does he not vote to convict someone that he said on the floor of the Senate incited an insurrection? All right, Sandy Rios with you. I started with that this morning because I wanted to emphasize to you how serious things are getting. That's Nicole Wallace on MSNBC. She used to be a staffer for George W. Bush. Uh, And she is basically saying, you might remember this, that during the Obama administration, they started using these drone strikes to kill uh, terrorist leaders overseas. And there was a lot of discussion about that. There was just uh, some of them, the allegation was some were possibly American citizens. And how could the government target People that even even though they were foreign foreign in their birth, but they were American citizens, how could the government target them and randomly kill them? And she is comparing that to domestic terrorists, uh, for which you know there are all these National Guard troops in Washington. Uh, Nancy Pelosi is calling, you know, to uh, increase. Uh, security in the Capitol because, well, I'll let her explain it to you. Clip 14. What exactly did you mean when you said the, that the enemy is within? What exactly did, did It means you mean that, that we have members of Congress who want to bring guns on the floor and have threatened uh, violence on other members of Congress. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Madam Speaker, do you believe that the president can get a fair and complete trial that lasts only one week? Of course. All right, so that's how, because we have uh, we have to have security because our my members are being threatened. AOC is uh, uh, you've probably heard her say she's accusing Ted Cruz of attempting to murder her. Yes, because um, because he encouraged and Josh Hawley too uh, the the uh, demonstrations on January the sixth and 
uh, as a byproduct because uh, she said they were trying to kill her. So Ted Cruz was trying to kill her. So that's uh, the latest. So we got Nancy Pelosi saying that um, within the House we have, uh, you know, these terrorists. We have also the—this is on the uh, Republican side. It's the House—I'm not sure it's the—this is the acronym, H-P-S-C-I. Sorry, I don't know right offhand. Majority staff, and that would be Kevin McCarthy's group, called the MAGA protesters insurgents. He's called them insurgents. Now, this is uh, an email from a friend of mine who was a, a, a leftist in her early years. She says, other member comments suggest that the, uh, the FBI change its current focus on all violent groups, regardless of ideology, to a focus on, quote, white supremacists, end quote, as the priority threat. Repeated several times, words chosen carefully. I raise this in light of Pelosi's comment accusing House Republicans of being the enemy within. McCarthy and House Republicans must not ignore this. They must call for Pelosi's censure in order to protect all of us. So the burner is turning up, and then you add to that that there is a bill that was just passed in the new Congress called the Domestic Terrorism Prevention Act of 2021. It's uh, essentially, according to uh, an article by the Daily Signal, uh, the criminalization of speech, expression, and thought. It takes cancel culture a step further and all but outlaws unpopular opinions. This act will empower intelligence, law enforcement, and even military wings of the American ruling class to crack down on individuals adhering to certain belief systems and ideologies. And it would explain why last week I told you that, um, that oh, they call him a troll, Twitter troll. Uh, he was arrested in Florida because his uh, tweets were critical. Uh, they were death threats. He was just critical, and he tweeted about the election fraud. So, And he had a huge following, and so he was arrested, you see, so the question is, who, who of us are considered domestic terrorists under this? Uh, there's a lot more to say about that, and I will get into that, but um, I think we have reason to be concerned. And I'll tell you one thing that's happening now specifically. I want to talk to uh, Christians. Of course, I generally speak to, in broad terms about every, everyone, but I want to talk to you for a second because um, I want to give you a perspective on what's happening here. Uh, the left had to destroy Donald Trump. Now, you could say, well, yes, but he had mean tweets, or he, he was critical. He said horrible things about people, and he was uh, sexually, um, he, he mistreated women in his, uh, you know, in years past and said horrible things, and so, you know, we cannot allow him to be the commander-in-chief. But he also... Uh, the unrighteous man, Donald Trump, stood for some very righteous things, uh, including the sanctity of human life, uh, the re- religious freedom. He honored God in the ways that he understood. Uh, he supported legislation. and money. I mean, he, did, he, he turned back so many horrible regulations and rules during the Obama administration uh, that were directed at Christians, about uh, to pro-lifers, to people who believed in a natural marriage between one man and one woman, uh, on and on, a transgenderism in the military. That's what he actually did. But he had mean tweets. Yes, yes, he did. He tweeted mean things. But what he actually did was really fine, righteous things. Okay, 
So he stood for Christian values, even though you can question who he was. You can do that. But he also stood for uh, reserve, preserving America's foundations because he felt they were, uh, he felt America was a, a unique nation, which it is. Its foundings are unique. There's no other nation on earth that has a story like ours. He wanted to restore that. He and that is the absolute opposite of the um, the uh, the left. Is just too nice a word. Uh, the totalitarian, deep, dark leftists, communists who want to transform radically, in the words of Barack Obama, this country, they w- that will not do. That just would not do. They had to destroy him, so they did. Not yet completely, but they're not, qu- they're not done yet. But they have to remove him. They have to remove him. They have to, have to, have to. He's got too much influence and too much power. But that wasn't enough because 72 million, at least, of you voted for him, 74 and probably more than that. So now you have to be... You got to be painted with that broad brush, and there are so many of you. How could they do that? So the January sixth uh, situation offered them a great opportunity, uh, and that is, I've talked to you about this before. The left has always used this through history. We could we could talk about Nero burning Rome and blaming the Christians. That's kind of the same. That's what happened. Uh, so uh, yeah, uh, probably some really good people who did some really bad things. Uh, who we would identify with uh, on January 6th, but most of them did not, I guarantee you. Uh, Most of them went there in support of the president and in support of honest elections. Uh, So now, though, you've got to be demonized. And so you just insert into the crowd a lot of uh, um, uh, people that stir, instigate violence, and that is what happened. Uh, so uh, then, by doing that, you can then paint all those Trump supporters as um, insurrectionists, as uh, out of control, as lawless people who must be punished. And so uh, over 300 people have been arrested around the country now. That's kind of quiet. We don't know who they are, but they're probably people that you might even know. I remember one dad with two kids, he said, I just wanted, I need, felt I needed to do something. I didn't want my little boys to think that all this was taking place to dismantle our country uh, and our history and our elections, and I did nothing. So uh, he was arrested, and that's just one example I can tell you of. So, uh, so now uh, Trump supporters, I don't know if it's working, uh, but they're trying to make us sound like we are just uh, horrible people and they're in process. But now they've gone a step further. So the step further is the real object of the left, communist left's ire, and that is people of the book, Christians who love God. So uh, they are now Christian, you know, uh, white supremacists uh, merged with Christianity. That's the tag now. We're all white supremacists uh, and uh, white nationalists. And so now further, they're calling us uh, white Let's see, what do they call this? Christian? I'll get it in just a second. But this is the new label, and you need to know what it is, because, and I need to remember what it is, uh, because it's just another step uh, to demonize. And now what they're doing is they're reaching inside uh, so-called Christian circles and coming up with people who will speak out and condemn. One of them is Russell Moore, the president of the public policy arm of the Southern Baptist Convention, and he, uh, in this AP article, condemning Christian nationalists, that's the term, Christian 
nationalists. And of course, they're claiming that people who are these Christian nationalists who showed up on January the 6th and supported President Trump, who supported President Trump somehow, uh, thought and think that Trump is their savior and not Jesus, and that that's that's apostasy, which it is, uh, if it were true. Uh, They also believe that um, we have, we brought disgrace to the cross because uh, we have uh, tried to work through the system. Uh, I'm gonna. I, I won't put words in there. I'll let you. I'll let you hear what they had to say. Russell Moore, president of the public policy arm of the Southern Baptist Convention, said that when he saw a Jesus Save sign displayed near a gallows built by rioters, I was enraged to agree a degree that I haven't been enraged in memory. This is not only dangerous and unpatriotic, but also blasphemous. Presenting a picture of the gospel of Jesus Christ that isn't the gospel and is instead, it's in its act, uh, the exact reverse. Now, a couple of things that I want to see if I'd explain in just a minute here. Russell Moore is a, um, a person who carries the water for the left. I remember very well when I was at the Supreme Court at the day that they legalized gay marriage, uh, the, that church, Westboro, from Kansas was there holding up these horrible, vile, uh, signs about homosexuals and gay marriage. And Russell Moore cited that as an example of Christians, how they behaved at the foot of the Capitol during that time. He knew better. I know he knew better. And yet he lied. And I maintain to you, if there was a gallows, which I did see, and they have Jesus saves next to it, that was not real. If they were linking that sign with the gallows, I guarantee you those were not followers of Jesus Christ. But that's who Russell uses as his example because these embarrassing white Christian nationalists must be stopped. And, I, and there's a lot more to say about that, and we will, because it's a much deeper issue. But it's the next step. It's getting personal. Uh, they want to uh, villainize, uh, target, and destroy. They do say that. We must be eradicated, destroyed. I'm not sure. They're, I don't think that Russell Moore wants to line us up and shoot us. Uh, but people with him... I want us to be, you know, destroyed in the movement, uh, disciplined, removed. Wheaton College is signing on to this, too. So just be aware that Christian nationalism is the new moniker against all of us. More to say about that, but coming up next, another thing to be concerned with, uh, HR1, a complete revolution in our voting rights and methods. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. What would it be like if every person knew that they were created in the image of God? After two years in the making, American Family Studios proudly presents In His Image, delighting in God's plan for gender and sexuality. There are only two sexes, male or female. If you're conceived with a Y chromosome, you will develop into a male. In His Image is a documentary featuring life-changing testimonies of former LGBT individuals. In my most formative years of development of sexuality, I went through a brutal time of uh, sexual distortion, molestation. Visit InHisImage.movie to watch In His Image. Well, everybody, welcome to this unboxing video as we unbox. My hormone blockers. In His Image from American Family Studios is available now for free viewing. Visit InHisImage.movie. You're made in the image of God. This is Pause to Pray, a chance to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. 
Today we pray for Lloyd Austin, Secretary of Defense. He is the leader and chief executive officer of the Department of Defense with command and authority over the U.S. military that is second only to the president. 1 Thessalonians 5.12 reminds us of the importance of good leadership. But we request of you, brethren, that you appreciate those who diligently labor among you and have charge over you in the Lord and give you instruction. Right now with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask for guidance for Lloyd Austin as he leads the Department of Defense. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is the service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team. Join us as we pray for America and commit to lifting up the President as part of the 100 Days of Prayer. Details at pausetopray.org. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starnes with news and commentary next. Liberty University is more than just exceptional academic programs, NCAA athletics, and state-of-the-art facilities. They believe in training champions for Christ. They know that where academic excellence and unwavering faith meet, there is liberty. Explore their campus virtually and learn how you can train as a champion for Christ online or on campus by texting TODD to the number 49596. That's TODD to the number 49596. Kids in Memphis, Tennessee will not be attending Donald Trump Jr. High School, nor will drivers get stuck in traffic on Trump Parkway. That's because the Shelby County Commission passed an ordinance banning any attempt to name anything after President Trump. It's basically a slap in the face, a move instigated by Commissioner Tammy Sawyer. She's an AOC wannabe, a radical leftist who thinks President Trump is a white supremacist. She actually wanted to rename public streets in honor of Black Lives Matter. Like I said, she's a radical. It's sad because the Trump family has done quite a bit for the city of Memphis, longtime donors of St. Jude Children's Hospital. Such pettiness. We can only hope future lawmakers will not treat Commissioner Sawyer with such disrespect when they name the county's new sewage treatment plant in her honor. I'm Todd Starnes. Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Facebook or email Sandy at Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. And absolutely without any question, no matter what anybody tries to tell me, you can't possibly do without coal and gas today. But these proud people, what just happens if they know they powered the nation? They absolutely saved us at wartime. They know all of that. And at some point in time, they may awaken to the fact that they're just tired of getting beat on and tired of getting just pushed down. What if, what if in America today we were to awaken to an industry of gas and coal and everything that would just decide, okay, everybody says they can do without us. We'll just absolutely shut everything down for six months and just see. It would spin this nation into chaos like you can't possibly imagine. You know, I'm a practical thinking guy, and I am telling you just straight up, if we don't get rational good thinking going on in this nation all across our land, we're going to awaken to a situation where power bills are going to go out of sight, brownouts are going to happen. Absolutely, we're going to, we, you know, from the standpoint of needing metallurgical coal to make steel, that may blow up. You know, what are we going to do if we turn around and all that starts happening? Are we going to start screaming, drill, baby, drill? 
let me just say one, one other thing, and it's just this. The only way civilization advances in this world, in, this, in, this, in time, is cheap, abundant, clean energy. It's the only way. And it was only just cheap, abundant energy. But really and true, if you want civilization to advance, today we need clean energy. And I'm all for it. But we just have to have a strategy rather than a knee jerk. And that's what we have going on right now. And it's, uh, it's going to backfire. It's really going to hurt us. That's Governor Jim Justice from West Virginia. He's talking about, he's responding to, uh, let's see, President Biden's new regulations on energy and coal production. It, they are a disaster. Uh, part of it, big part of it, is stopping the building of the Keystone Pipeline and all kinds of things, developing new coal and uh, gas resources. And this is just the beginning. I guarantee you this is just the beginning. And we have thousands of people who've been put out of work. It's just really sad to hear those stories. I play that in conjunction with our next interview because I want to illustrate to you in living color what happens when you have really bad people representing you in the nation's capital or in your own capitals. What happens when we have nothing to say? about who gets elected. What happens when we don't have a choice and the ruling class uh, is empowered to rule even more harshly and to do what they will and what they want, irregardless of how it affects the people? Well, something really uh, stunning happened last week. We have talked about it before, but now it is a reality. Uh, It was the introduction of a bill uh, in both houses of Congress uh, to radically alter Uh, the way we vote. No one knows more about this than our next guest. He's very familiar to you because he hosts for me when I'm gone. It's Jay Christian Adams. He's the president of the Public Interest Legal Foundation. He also, just to say, if you you can imagine the courage, a Christian was a whistleblower during the Obama administration's Justice Department. He spoke out, took a big hit for that, uh, wrote a book, and that's uh, that's how his voice, his gravitas, he knows what he's talking about. He has courage, and he joins us this morning. Christian, thanks for joining us. Thank you very much for having me, Sandy. Hey, Christian, uh, before we talk about H.R. 1, and that, I want to spend the bulk that way, but I just want to say you have been around the country filing lawsuits regarding elections, and you just had a victory in Virginia, didn't you? We did. Virginia was trying to send out absentee or um, receive absentee ballots without a postmark and late, right? They came in late, and they didn't have a postmark. We sued uh, right before the election. Uh, we got a temporary injunction to stop that, which is the only state in the country where that was successful, I think. And the judge just uh, just recently entered a permanent injunction against Virginia from accepting ballots late with no postmark. So that's future has nothing to do with what just happened, right? I mean, it won't affect what just happened. Well, it did affect it only by virtue of we got a preliminary injunction in October to stop them. So at least in Virginia, there was none of the monkey business that happened in Pennsylvania. Okay. Well, I just wanted to give an I, people an idea of the kinds of things that the Public uh, Interest Legal Foundation is involved in. There's a lot more than that, but that's just a recent victory. So Christian, you have been, you and I have talked more than once about H.R. 1. And now here it is. Uh, Let me just say, uh, in the House, it's called For the People Act. For the People, which reminds me, I think it's people as in People's Republic of China, that kind of people phrase. Okay, so what is this, Christian, H.R. 1? Everything that you saw in the 2020 election, all of the uh, breakdowns, all of the manipulation, 
all of the late game rule changes, everything you saw in 2020, they're going to make federal law. In other words, they're going to enshrine the monkey business that I referred to earlier as the law of the land in every single state by passing a bill in Congress that does things like uh, requires mail elections, uh, gets rid of voter ID as a matter of federal law, uh, allows for extensive periods of voting before election day, allows ballots to come in late. I could go on and on. There are literally hundreds of provisions in the statute, uh, Sandy, that would nationalize all of the shenanigans from the election in 2020 and run the entire system out of Washington, D.C. Let me add a few more. That uh, There's a long list, but I want to just drill this home, Christian, what we're looking at. Uh, nationwide Motor Voter, which was established by Barack Obama. He started in Illinois when he was one of our senators. Lovely. I was there. Also requiring 16-year-olds to be able to vote, to be registered. Same-day registration. Um, prohibiting organizations like you from cleaning up the voter rolls. Oh, there's no uh, cleanup. There's no cleanup. They ban cleaning the voter rolls. It's, it, it, and then a lot more. I mean, we didn't even mention all of it. So, Christian, it's been introduced into the House, as I said. It's H.R. 1. The Senate has introduced their own version uh, Ron Wyden of Oregon and Earl Blumenauer of Oregon, both of Oregon, have introduced this Vote at Home Act, Vote at Home, uh, because, you know, they, they want to make it easy and they want to stop. Uh, they call it, they, they say it's like a, a racial equality thing. It's, uh, you know, to set things right, to make voting fair and free and obsess- accessible for everyone. Of course, none of that's true, uh, but that's the moniker under which, uh, the banner under which they're trying to push this forward. A Christian, they have enough votes in both houses to do this, don't they? It's close. They definitely have enough votes in the House. It will pass the House as it did in the last Congress and go to the Senate. The question is, is it too radical? First of all, is there going to be a filibuster? That's the first question. And my fear is that on an issue like this, they don't care about the filibuster because this is about power. And Sandy, you know, when it when power is on the line, Rules don't matter, right? So who cares about that filibuster? So uh, they may have it in the Senate. They definitely have the president's signature. So this is not this is not some fantasy. And as I tell people on your show all the time, you might think this is all like parliamentary procedure and Robert's rules of orders. They know that if they rule process issues, they get power issues over the issues you care about, whether it's life, gender, family, economy, oil, whatever. This is how they get the power over process and policy. Let me explain. I have explained this, but it's been a long time. And in the context of this bill, when uh, Christian says filibuster, what we're talking about is the procedure in the Senate whereby you have to have 60 votes. You have to vote to vote. We've talked about it before. You have to have 60 votes in the Senate to proceed to vote on an actual bill or issue. That's the filibuster rule. Uh, and so uh, it has been eliminated on judicial nominations. That was very controversial when uh, uh, Mitch McConnell did that, but he did it, and that's how so many good judges got through. But it was not done on the legislative uh, issue. And so that's the big brouhaha in the Senate right now. Will uh, they do away? Will they be able to roll over Mitch McConnell and do away with the filibuster so that they only need 51 votes to pass everything? And I'm with you, Christian. I, why in the world would they 
they will they move heaven and earth to this will give them the the whole ball game this will hand to the left complete control for really forever in our lives i'm thinking no you're right that's why it's so important to them is all of this the tricks all of the the rule changes all of the tiny little things that give them an advantage would become federal law so i don't know how you overcome it uh it's it uh, contrary to what a lot of people say sandy i do not think it is just wholesale unconstitutional because the constitution has an elections clause that very clearly says congress has the power if they choose to use it to set the time place and manner of congressional elections the only way around it is for states to bifurcate meaning split meaning set up a whole second system for their state elections and presidential elections and say okay congress when you're electing members of the house and senate you have to play by those bad rules from hr1 but uh, we're going to have our own system over here. It's very expensive, and that's why states are reluctant to do it. But the states, many of them right now, are d- doing the opposite of what the uh, what's happening in, in the Capitol in Washington. They're actually trying to go through and clean up voter rolls, change the way voting is done, because Christians, states have, uh, for my lifetime, always been in charge of their own elections. Wasn't, okay, just to ask a question about what you just said, isn't that what the Constitution, doesn't it grant them the right to do that? Is that a law? What is that? That is a great question, and I I would encourage everybody to take a look at their Constitution. It's full of of, of wisdom and, and brilliant design. But on this one, Sandy, it says states essentially have the power to set the the rules of their own elections. And then there's a magic word, Sandy, in the Constitution. You know what it says? It says, but, but. (laughs) And then it says, at any time, Congress may set the time, place, manner rules for running elections. So it was put in there by the founders so the federal government could not be suffocated by the states. Isn't that a laugh line, right? Like the states (laughs) are just not going to hold congressional elections to suffocate the government. I mean, that never happened. My, my right? how the world has changed. Well, they, you know, right. in the early days, that was a problem because they really were resisting federal control. But now, yeah. Yeah. So there's the no suffocation. Right. Right. So they're going to use a part of the Constitution designed to give the federal government life support in, in the face of the states trying to kill them by not holding elections for Congress and use it to basically take over state elections. My understanding. Christian, is that at least in the House, there are, uh, I don't remember the number, but there, there's a fair amount of Repo- uh, Democratic congressmen who are from Trump districts, uh, and there's some hope, I think, that they will not, uh, that they will resist this because of their own election uh, risks by, by, you know, embracing this. What, what do you know? Do you know anything about that? Right. Well, I mean, we'll find out in March when this goes to a vote. I testified to Congress last time that this was up, and we'll find out for sure whether those Trump district Democrats uh, have any sense. I'm not optimistic because of what we talked about. There's so much power at stake. You know, they might not like H.R. 1, but by golly, if it makes them chair that Ways and Means Committee someday or the Appropriations Committee, they might like it a lot. So uh, this might be the last gasp of uh, people calling their congressmen, uh, I think, and their senators. I don't know. Even in the, 
I guess the in the Senate they can't stop anything right now with a 50-50 and with uh, Kamala Harris breaking the tie. This is all untested waters. You know, we're right at the cusp of them actually taking votes on things. So certainly Joe Biden hasn't needed any votes to uh, sign all those horrific executive orders. And by the way, Christian, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm interrupting myself midstream. Uh, constitutionally, really, really, can a president do what he's doing? Really? Well, on a lot of things, yes. I mean, for example, I'm on Excuse me. I'm on the U.S. Commission for Civil Rights. I'm one of four Republican commissioners on that federal body. And race is a big issue in this country. And President Trump said, you got to stop talking about these radical ideas that people are not equal, uh, you know, inherently and these these racialist obsessions that have been going on. And he signed an executive order and said that's done on the federal level. Well, Biden came in and reversed that and said, no, we need to we need to talk about the color of people's skin more than the content of their character more and more. And, and so he signed an executive order that he was perfectly able to do. I mean, they signed an, an order that fly the rainbow flag in embassies overnight. Uh, so there's certain things a president can do that relate to the executive branch. And Biden is taking full advantage of it. But like the Keystone Pipeline. I mean, that's just stunning to me. Yeah. Uh, yeah, tragic. so I, it is tragic. There's there are a lot of tragic things happening, and just like uh, uh, um, transgenders in the military, you know, with a stroke of the pen, it just doesn't seem like one man in the White House should have that kind of power. T- tell me the last time there was a pipeline spill in the United States, right? <laughs> right, it doesn't happen. No. And this was these this hurts people. These are people with jobs. These are families who need to turn the lights on in the morning. Who. Yes. Who, who need propane to cook their food. And, yes. and suddenly, through the stroke of a pen, Joe Biden is hurting people's lives. Yes, and he, it'll hurt all of our lives, Christian, when we can't uh, uh, keep our houses warm or cool uh, and when we can't drive cars anymore. And that is really where they are headed. It is not an exaggeration. This is They're trying to harm the nation to reduce its strength in the world because they have other rulers from other places and other motivations And they don't have anything to do with America being strong and proud of its past and, uh, you know, contributing to the world as we have in the past. We can't let that happen. Christian, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. Jay Christian Adams, president of the Public Interest Legal Foundation, will put your most recent articles up, Christian, on our Facebook page so people can read your great stuff because you write, you're a great writer. And uh, you'll be back at the mic soon, I hope. Sandy Rios, thank you uh, for joining us this morning. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. to sharpen the biblical worldview of Christians, and to share the good news of Jesus Christ. That is the mission of the Christian Worldview Radio Program. I'm host David Wheaton, inviting you to join us this Saturday morning at 9 Eastern, 8 Central, as we discuss all matters of life and faith from a decidedly biblical perspective. The Christian Worldview, Saturday mornings at 9 Eastern, 8 Central, right here on American Family Radio. When King David tried covering his sins, he thought life could continue as normal. But he soon found that living in disobedience had the opposite effect. He shares his story in Psalm 32 and helps us discover the missing piece. Listen all this week. 
to Truth For Life with Alistair Begg. Truth For Life, weekday mornings at 1130 Central on AFR and online at AFR.net. And when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Full weaponization of the federal government to crush a political opponent. Politicians and a political party that build themselves as pro-life while refusing to actually do what's in their power to stop the killing of little babies. The successful and unrelenting advance of regressivism. All of these are signs that our national condition is not merely a natural phenomenon. It's spiritual. Civic engagement without spiritual engagement produces political roller coasters. National course correction will only come by national repentance. We must elevate him. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner or visit the podcast page at AFR.net for more from Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. Ryan Fisher here with the Life and Liberty Minute. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Not all anger is bad. Some things ought to make us angry, but we must not allow that anger to turn into sin by carrying our anger over even to the next day. We do that by forgiving the person who angered us before we go to sleep. Forgiveness is a decision, not an emotion. Forgiveness is the choice to release people from their debt to us and hand them over to God for discipline. Then we must refuse to bring up past offenses to hurt somebody or score points in an argument. If we don't forgive, then we give a place to the devil to work in our lives. But if we do choose to forgive, we'll discover that the anger and hate will slowly dissipate as we walk out our forgiveness. And that's the path of both life and liberty. Catch Brian Fisher on Focal Point, weekday afternoons at 105 Central on American Family Radio. This is Frank Gaffney with the Secure Freedom Minute. Americans were horrified to learn in the early days of the Chinese Communist Party-induced pandemic that our country is acutely dependent on China for protective gear and medicines. Now we're discovering the PRC supplies another determinant of our public health and safety, the U.S. electric grid. This insight flowed from an early Biden executive order suspending his predecessor's directive barring the installation of foreign equipment like transformers in America's most critical of critical infrastructures. After all, if the grid goes down and stays down for a protracted time, hundreds of millions of us will perish. The Biden order calls for a 90-day review of Trump's policy. It should be renewed forthwith, but strengthened to ensure that the 300 Chinese transformers and grid-related equipment already in use by American utilities are assessed for cyber and other vulnerabilities and replaced with reliable components ASAP. This is Frank Gaffney. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. And again, this is what I was saying, so John Hammond, that is a bulletin released to all law enforcement earlier this week that there is until the end of April a persistent threat of domestic extremism, domestic uh, terrorism carried out in the ideology and around this belief that the election. Um, was fraudulent, that the COVID restrictions are unnecessary. All of those ideologies pushed by Donald Trump. But but my question for you is around incitement. Um, We had a policy, and it was very controversial, it was carried out under the Bush years and under the Obama years, of attacking terrorism at its root. 
of going after and killing, um, and in the case of Amr al-Awlaki, an American, a Yemeni American, with a drone strike for the crime of inciting violence, inciting terrorism. Mitch McConnell was in the Senate then. He was in the Senate after 9-11 too. How does Mitch McConnell, who understands that the way you root out terrorism is to take on, in the case of Islamic terrorism, kill those who incite it, how does he not vote to convict someone that he said on the floor of the Senate incited an insurrection? All right, Sandy Rios with you. Uh, uh, just I, That's so stunning. I wanted you to hear, hear it again. That was Nicole Wallace uh, with MSNBC, who used to be a staffer for George W. Bush. Comparing people in the Capitol on uh, January 6th to leaders of al-Qaeda who were attacked and targeted by drone strikes and killed. Just bringing, even bringing that up, what is she suggesting? What is she suggesting? So John Brennan, uh, the former head of the CIA, the former communist, uh, former? Well, I don't know. Uh, He's the man at the heart of the uh, the huge, uh, as the communists call it, the big lie, the big lie that uh, President Trump was working with the Russians and they're the ones that got him elected. He's responsible for all that, intricately putting together all those international uh, contacts to sort of construct this big, huge lie, which came apart because it was a lie. But John Brennan never got punished for any of that. And he's still speaking out. Let's hear what he had to say. This threat from domestic violence extremists is much more challenging, I believe, than it was in terms of going after foreign terrorists. When we were going after al-Qaeda or other types of uh, terrorist groups, uh, cells here in the United States, their numbers were in the single digits of dozens and was finding needles in in a haystack. Here, there are a lot of haystacks with a lot of needles in them. Yeah, so a lot of haystacks, a lot of needles, and we, you know, we've got to, we've got to figure out a way to get those people. So uh, Josh Hawley was on with Laura Ingram, and he had a response to John Brennan's comments. Let's listen. Frightening, uh, very, very frightening. Of course, the remarks that that uh, individual has made, uh, the the hysterical ranting that he does on a regular basis is extremely frightening. And the idea that he was ever in charge of intelligence assets of any kind in this country is deeply, deeply troubling. Let me just say this, Laura, about this DHS bulletin. If they have specific, credible, actionable intelligence, then they should act on it. But if this is just some attempt to uh, amass power and to go after the civil liberties of law-abiding Americans, we're going to have a big, big problem. I I think the DHS as a department under Biden already has a lot of questions to answer. Congress needs to perform its oversight role here because uh, this is very, very troubling. Yeah, it's very, very troubling. Yes, it is. And so um, then in the same program, Laura introduced Peter Strzok is now out there on the trail speaking out. Peter Strzok, Peter Strzok, the guy who was under oath in Congress, lied and lied and lied. The one who, with his lover, talked about how they were going to get Trump. Uh, but he's uh, he's free too. nothing. Peter Strzok has to speak up now about how to get, you know, all these people like maybe you and me. We'll see, won't we? Clip four. Let's listen. We need to understand what has happened to radicalize various people, particularly in not only in our society, but specifically within law enforcement and the military. They tend to skew conservative. They are strong law and order. And there are certain elements of that who are going to fall victim to these sort of fantasies or these rather extremist ideas, including um, taking up violence. So military and uh, police. 
Uh, they're being radicalized. Uh, they're actually, you know, believing these things. And so we have to do something about that. So Josh Hawley, uh, former prosecutor, had this to say about that, clip five. This is somebody who probably ought to be in prison. I mean, Peter Strzok has, has violated, as multiple investigations have shown, numerous laws. This is a guy who lied under oath repeatedly. Uh, this is somebody who lied to the FISA court to get wiretaps during a presidential campaign. I mean, the guy's a professional liar. And think about the fact that he was in charge of an FBI investigation. He and a small group at the FBI that targeted the former president, targeted their associates as the greatest abuse of FBI power in my lifetime. And now these people are, are giving lectures. I mean, Laura, this has got to stop, and we've got to take a stand for the First Amendment and for, for civil liberties in this country. Yeah, so thank you, Josh Hawley. And one last thing. Oh, I, no, I want to mention, not the last thing, uh, one big thing that happened since we spoke together was that the FBI lawyer, Kevin Kleinsmith, Kleinsmith who altered evidence that was sent to the FISA court for, for, about Carter Page, in order that Carter Page would be surveilled and then they could get to the Trump administration. This is something FBI agents don't do, can't do. I'm telling you, my husband used to present evidence in the FISA court. And by the old standard, everything had to be correct or your head, a true and true, your head was chopped off. You couldn't do this. But Kevin Kleinsmith, what was his punishment? He got a year probation. You got a year probation. So this is the new world in which we are occupying. Okay, so um, Josh Hawley had a response. You know, they're after Josh because uh, he uh, did a thumbs up to the to the people that came to support Trump on January the 6th, and that's uh, terrible, you see. And now he and Ted Cruz are responsible for uh, AOC and others, and Nancy Pelosi, I guess, the attempted murder of them. They're responsible for that. That's the line right now. Josh Hawley lost a book deal. He's, uh, you know, they have taken him. He's been, they're trying to cancel him and also get him out of the Senate in lots of different ways. This is his response. I want you to hear it because it has to be ours as well. Clip one. Well, yeah, I certainly have, Laura, and it's a privilege to be so because I'm just doing my job representing the people of Missouri. And I can tell you right now, I am not going to back down and bow down before the woke leftist mob. I'm not going to be canceled. I refuse to cower and live in fear. I'm going to call out their lies when they tell them, which is a lot these days. And I'm going to keep doing my job to represent the people of Missouri. He is. And so he's a hero. I tell you, he is a real hero. And uh, Ted, Ted Cruz is, too. And a lot of those guys in the House, the Free House Freedom Caucus, they're standing fast. And you can you imagine trying to work uh, in that atmosphere? Um, they're, the armed guards, the intimidation, the, the uh, abuse they're taking, the accusations, uh, it's not easy. In fact, we'll talk to someone from the Freedom Caucus really soon so we can kind of get the inside story from them. I want to change the subject just for a second because COVID, 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 you know, COVID and then COVID. We found out, you know, that Mar uh, uh, Andrew Cuomo the governor of New York, uh, you will recall that during the COVID real crisis, that was what it was called, it was all new to us, uh, he made the decision to send COVID patients, people who had COVID, into nursing homes in uh, lots, large numbers. And the nursing home deaths in New York were just horrific, just horrific. That was the most vulnerable population, and yet Cuomo every day came out and did a press conference and preened, and he actually wrote a book about how wonderful he was and how he handled it. 
And now um, his attorney general has come out with a study or a report to show that the deaths in nursing homes uh, after that were underreported by 50%. So Andrew Cuomo is kind of having to, you know, um, he's got to respond to this. Well, he responded. He responded, and this is what he said, clip eight. A third of all deaths in this nation are from nursing homes. New York State, we're only about 28% only, but we're below the national average in number of deaths in nursing homes. But who cares? 33, 28, died in a hospital, died in a nursing home. They died. But who cares? Of course, that's not such a shock when you think, I wish we had this clip, I will never forget as long as I live the celebration that took place in the Capitol in New York State when they removed all restrictions from abortion and made it possible to kill babies up until birth, uh, legalized everything, and Cuomo was right in the center of it, and they did this celebration that was stomach-churning. So if he doesn't care anything about innocent babies, why would he care about helpless seniors? Why would he care? And I have to say that I think that's pretty much characteristic of the, the hard left, they, that's, that it's a means to an end. Whatever it takes to achieve their end, that's what they'll do. Uh, by any means necessary is their actual phrase for it, by any means necessary. And that brings me to this next thing. I, th- I found this stunning. I read this this morning. Uh, part of this is cut off. So I, may, I but they, basically, the vaccines, you know, are being given to people. And I've been very careful. I've tried to be very careful about what I say about this because I know a lot of you are taking the vaccine, the COVID vaccine. Uh, and um, but I, I, there are many stories of people taking the vaccine. And dying, there was one man around sixty. In he was a nurse, a medical. He might have been a nurse. He was a medical worker of some kind, and he was uh, very much into COVID, all the protocols, the masks, the distancing, and you can see it on his Facebook page. And uh, he, the last uh, posting on his Facebook page was him taking the vaccine and saying, "This is something about one of the best days of my life, one of the most momentous days of my life." And as soon as he take you know, within like three hours of taking it, uh, he died. And I've read several stories like that. Now, I don't know what that means. I, I don't know what that means. I don't mean know if it means that this they're just a fluke. As some people I know randomly probably will die from all vaccines. So that's why I hate to take a hard stand on it, and I, I don't want to do that. But I will. I do find this notable. Merck now has scrapped their COVID vaccine research. And they say the most it's more helpful for people, more effective for people to get the virus and recover naturally. So they're going to focus now on uh, medicines to uh, maybe reduce it, to treat it, but not the vaccine. Now, isn't that interesting? I'm sure this is a story that you'll be hearing more about. I think, maybe, well, you know, who knows? Uh, but... Um, I, this is a, a, I just had a conversation with a friend of mine. He's an older gentleman, and uh, he's you know been very concerned. And I was just telling him, you know, the risks you have to think about. He just got the vaccine. The risks of taking the vaccine are not small, and the risks of you dying from COVID are not great. 
you know, they're, they're, it's, not, it's not great uh, you, you, if you don't have, and it's very healthy, but seniors are scared to death, and so, uh, and so are people, all people. Teachers are taking them, young teachers who have a minuscule, like a 1% chance of dying if they get COVID uh, because people are scared to death. So, uh, but that's an update that I wanted to share with you. Also, uh, in L.A. County, now in California, of course, that is the most restrictive state in the union, thanks to Gavin Newsom. Last week, you know, there's a recall effort against him, and it's gaining momentum. And so suddenly, last week, he lifted his stay-at-home lockdown order, just as the the powers that be, the authorities over us, our rulers, announced that there were more virulent strains coming and, you know, more death and destruction on our way. Yeah, so Gavin Newsom evidently didn't really believe that because he lifted his stay-at-home lockdown order last week, allowing businesses deemed non-essential by the government, including restaurants and salons, to resume some in-person operations with safety precautions in place. So uh, he did that, but then L.A. County public health officials released new restrictions on Friday. And if you live in California, if you have family there, this is the story. You can eat out if there are only six people at a table. You have to all be from the same household and... Heaven forbid, the restaurant or establishment must not, under any circumstance, turn on the television. Because, why? Because they're afraid that the Super Bowl might become a super spreader event. So, uh, so much for freedom in Los Angeles, but that's what's happening there. And they continue to rule over us and restrict our freedoms in frightening ways. I wish I had time I'd read you what Justice Alito had to say about not that particular story, but about the whole restrictions and how concerned he is. Uh, there are some great justices still in the Supreme Court, and he's one of them. So uh, there are good men, and as long as there are, we have reason to hope. I think we need to pray for them, and we need to be strong ourselves in the power of the, the Lord Jesus Christ. Sandy Rios with you in the morning on AFR Talk. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.